0: Hello and welcome to another jam-packed episode of We Love Books, the place where we're just crazy about kids' books and we know you are too. Lots of good stuff on the way for you today. We meet the makers of a roly-poly flying pony who was blown out of his nest and into adventure. It's Philip Reeve and Sarah McIntyre who are experts at creating majestic kids' books. We have another top tip from our own in-house writer extraordinaire Dave Rudden to get you on the path to becoming an author yourself. But first, let's hear from you. What is your favourite topic to read about? I like
1: adventures and imagination and unicorns. I like scary stories and
2: unicorns.
1: Yeah. The opposite. Pink fluffy unicorns and scary thunder. <laughs> thunder and like um, uh, like dramatic things and dragons. I like exciting things and scary, a little bit scary, not too scary though. Murders and mysteries. I like enjoying and um, bad guys and um, stuff like that. I like reading about investigators, adventure and mystery and stuff like that. <laughs>
0: now on We Love Books, it's time for We Love Reviews. Today, Martin is reviewing a graphic novel called Black 47, a story of Ireland's great famine. It's a tale of the great hunger told through words and pictures. A graphic novel is a bit like a long comic book, notable because of all the illustrations. Let's see what Martin thought.
2: Black 47 is a story about a family who is in Ireland and they experience famine. The story is set in the famine age by the way. I think the story is pretty good. It's written goodly. And because it's a graphic novel, the illustrations are really good. And like one of the interesting facts about the story is that it really focuses about the famine. It doesn't say, oh we'll just forget about the famine. It remembers all of it. And the story is well written too. And anything I particularly liked was really the drawings illustrations. And I like that they had to go to uh, from Ireland, to England, to America, because the destination for the story was go to New York. I like that they had to take boats, because planes didn't exist. It really has an emphasis on the history of the famine. I would think it would be a 10 to 16, rating, and I think it's more focused on the boys.
0: Now on We Love Books, we love authors who create the magical and majestic worlds for all of our favourite characters to live in. Two such authors are Philip Reeve and Sarah McIntyre. They have written and illustrated tons of books themselves but then they've done something pretty cool they've come together to write and illustrate books as a team so first of all they have the coolest job in the world anyway but what's better than getting to work with your bestie they've written all about the legend of Kevin he is a roly-poly flying pony he loves biscuits and he has a knack for falling straight into adventure the second Kevin book is called Kevin's Great Escape that's out now and I asked Sarah what she loves about working together with Philip. It's so
3: exciting. I love I love working with Philip on books because we both think up ideas together and he'll sort of say What do you want to draw? And and I'll come up with some little idea. And then he'll just spin it into something wonderful and we'll both work on it together and he'll help me draw and it's great.
4: Yeah, this is what I hoped I would be doing. You know, when I was 16, I kind of dreamed of being an illustrator or a writer or something like that. So I think, I hope I'd be pleased to see what I've turned out. I think I'd be relieved, you know, because there's always that fear you want to do these things and then you think, well, maybe I haven't, you know, maybe I can't do it. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I haven't got a story in there but it turned out I did have so that was a relief
0: that's really interesting because a lot of writers have said that that they weren't sure I mean they thought as little kids they'd love to be writers and then teenagers maybe they started doubting themselves and they sort of pushed through in the end and got there did you ever have that where you thought maybe this isn't going to happen for me or were you always certain that you knew who you were
4: well I think that's a natural kind of process I imagine everybody goes through that because when you're a little kid you um, you think I want to write a story and you write a story and you think this is brilliant I've written a story and then when you're a bit older and you, you get a bit more critical and you uh, quite rightly and you sort of think oh okay maybe that's not as good as it could be and maybe I, maybe it's not as good, and you start to read other people's work more seriously and start thinking well you know I'd never be as good as these people so um, yes you do go through that phase I think of, of, of it all seeming a bit too much for you maybe and you think maybe you won't make the grade but I think if you really want to do it and you keep plugging away at it, I think you get there in the end. So that would be that would be my advice to people who are stuck in that bit at the moment. And that's a good it's a good thing you know that you start to doubt yourself. that's that's how you get better. So it's quite an important part of the process, I think, is learning to be critical of your own stuff.
3: I didn't think I could make a living as an illustrator. I thought um, I maybe could be an archaeologist, and then I thought I'd be a journalist, and I worked at a newspaper for a while. I've done everything. I've worked at a (laughs) supermarket. I've done so many things. But then I finally was able to really get stuck in with illustrating and, yeah, push through, and I just drew and drew and drew and drew and got better. So I didn't start out good, but the more I practiced, the better I got.
0: What advice would you both have for someone who's, you know, in school and maybe dreaming of being a writer, but they don't know how they're going to make the jump from here to there? I think
3: make actual books. Like, the the difference between a writer, a wannabe writer, and a a real writer is a wannabe writer starts projects, but a real writer finishes them. And so if you can finish a book, a tip is to just make it really short. You know, you can make an eight-page book and finish it, and it gives you practice designing covers, going what's inside, figuring a blurb for the back. And that's actually, I think, better than just writing long epics that never happen.
4: Well, what Sarah said, that's good advice. Um, I think you need to read a lot as well, um, which probably, if you're interested in writing, you will be doing. But it's surprising how many people don't really read very much or they just read one type of thing. You know, they're interested in one type of story and they just read those i think it's quite important to read as much as you can and read widely that's what i would usually recommend to people and i think that's how you learn to write really is, is just sort of reading 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 and, and, and finding what other people do that you like and that you don't like and, and starting to apply that to your own work
3: speaking of reading what were your favorite books as kids I loved comics. We used to get a big um, color edition of comics every day in the Seattle Times newspaper. And then Calvin and Hobbes was always my favorite strip. And you can buy collected volumes of Calvin and Hobbes comic strips. And I think they're brilliant because they work for kids and adults and all the levels of, like, humor and philosophy and everything they're
4: brilliant when i was sort of tenish, i guess lord of the rings would have been my favorite um and you know for for some years after that and i think you can probably tell that if you read my longer books like mortal engines and railhead and things like that you can it's that sort of uh, that idea of creating a whole huge imaginary world um but i did like comics and things as well i liked asterix and tintin and things like that i liked funny books and that's where i think a lot of a lot of that influence goes into the books I do with Sarah, which are which are much sort of much funnier and more anarchic than my solo work.
0: Well, we have two gorgeous books in front of us for readers who haven't heard of Kevin.
3: <laughs> He's a roly-poly flying pony.
0: I'm actually sitting beside him right. <laughs> I'm
3: <laughs> sitting beside large Kevin. <laughs> He's so round. <laughs> he is so round.
0: He's wonderfully round. So, how would you describe the books to readers who haven't maybe gotten into the series just yet?
4: Well, um, Kevin is—he's based actually on a little drawing that I made years and years and years ago on a piece of driftwood um, of a, a sort of like a Pegasus, a kind of a white flying horse. Only he's—he's he's kind of quite a huge fat round flying horse and he's got tiny tiny little wings um, and Sarah saw that drawing at my house one, one day and said oh you ought to do something with him and she started drawing Kevin and improving on him and uh, we decided he needed a series to himself so in the first book The Legend of Kevin he gets blown out of his nest in the wild wet hills by a, by a huge storm and it blows him into town and he crashes into the, the balcony of a block of flats which is the home of Max who is the other hero of the stories um, Max is a boy who who brings Kevin in and befriends him and and kevin builds a nest on the roof up there and they become you know the best of friends and go off and have adventures together so it's basically it's kind of whatever we want really isn't Mm. it anything can happen in bumbleford which is the town where it's all set but it tends to whatever happens tends to involve max and kevin
3: yeah because in the legend of kevin there's a big flood and they have to save everyone from the flood but in the second one there's a pop star moves to town this is the kevin's great escape and she's collecting mythical creatures for her park around her house. And it's all like, it all goes a bit
4: Yeah, Kevin wrong. And Kevin ends up getting sort of kidnapped, doesn't kidnapped, he, and sort yeah. of um, imprisoned in, in this kind of mythical wildlife park oh. and so having to escape.
3: Max and Daisy's sister, have, they have to free Kevin <laughs> and also all the other mythical creatures as well. Mm. What is the best part of being
0: able to meet friends like Kevin and spend your days creating magic in the world?
4: It's having a good laugh. It is, really, yes. We Actually, we're in Dunleary doing this interview and we wrote The Legend of Kevin in Dunleary. We, um, we'd sort of come up with the idea that we wanted to do a book about the pony and we knew he was going to get blown out of his nest and meet Max, but we didn't know what else was going to happen. So one day we were over here for the Mountains to Sea Festival and when we were... Uh, we had some free time. We took a walk along the pier there, right out to the end. And by the time we walked out to the end, to where the ice creams are sold, and walked all the way back again, uh, we had the whole story worked out. And I just went home and typed it. So, <laughs> um, so that's the fun part. It's just it's just being able to invent stories with a friend. It, it's just like playing a game. It's just oh, this could happen. Oh, that could happen. And it's yeah, it's kind of magical, isn't that? Yeah, the wind that, that probably was inspired by Dun because I was wearing yes. a big stupid <laughs> fluffy
3: dress and it was blowing all around my face. <laughs>
4: Well every time we come to every time we come to Dunleary, it's bright sunshine. We've never seen Dunleary in bad weather. It's just always gorgeous. So we think yeah, We've to, we've come to believe that you have a kind of Mediterranean climate over here and you just talk about the rain all the time to put people off coming because you don't want the tourists. It's like the French um, Riviera here. Yeah, it is.
0: <laughs> if, what is it like writing together? Because I haven't met a lot of authors and illustrators who work together. What is that like? Is it very different? Is it easier? Is it harder? And would you recommend it to
4: kids?
3: Ooh,
4: yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's Yeah, really, it's a really good way to write um, because it's quite hard coming up with ideas, basically. That's one of the the toughest things about writing is coming up with an idea and kind of keeping it going because you can't just have an idea. You then need to kind of turn it into a story. And it's sometimes a lot easier to do that if there's two of you. Um. I'm
3: good at thinking up the idea. Like, I thought, oh, we should do a little um, thing, uh, book which ended up as Pugs of the Frozen North. And I thought, how about a, a race with a bunch of tiny, ridiculous dogs to the North Pole? And I had the idea, but I couldn't, like, turn it into a whole big, long story. And, and Philip could make it really funny and bring in lots of extra details and flesh it out into a total story. So... You're much better at that. You can think of all the interesting well, things that happen.
4: We, we think of things that happen together though. It's kinda of, it is kind of like a game. It's like a conversation. We talk and talk about these things. Um and then eventually we don't we don't sort of talk while I'm sitting writing, but you know, we talk about it until we kind of know who all the characters are and what the story is. And then I go away and write, and then I'll show it to Sarah as I'm going along. So every time I get like a reasonable chunk finished, a chapter or two, I'll send it to Sarah and she'll maybe suggest other things or s- suggest what might happen next. Um, so it's, it's a, it's. You know, it's definitely written by both of us.
3: And it's great that Philip's an illustrator as well. So he gets pictures, and when I, when I run out of time to doing the, for doing the pictures, he'll come to my desk in London and, and sit there and help me draw
4: the pencil roughs. Yeah, I help with the roughs, and then Sarah does the final final artwork.
3: When I do picture books, I tend to sort of I'll often have more than one character, and I just have them do conversations and, and entertain me. And that's how I usually just see what what would they say, and then just let them keep talking till the end of the story. Do you miss them when the story comes to an end? Yes, I do, actually. I I get really invested in the characters, and if if we sort of finish one set of books and move on to something else, I kind of think they must be, like, in in backstage, like, doing other things and, you know, kind of waiting to come out again. Do you talk to them? Uh, next time I, <laughs> you know, it's so, yeah, kind of, because you sort of think, well, if they were to say, you know, if this was to happen, what would Astra, the astronaut, mm, say, mm. or what would um, Max do in this circumstance? And you can kind of imagine his little voice, or Kevin, Kevin, you know, if I see a plate of biscuits, I think, oh, Kevin would be enjoying that right now, because <laughs> Kevin loves biscuits. <laughs>
0: You have a new, beautiful book here. So apart from bringing that around the place and sharing the joy of Kevin with everybody, what is next or is it top secret
4: for the
3: two of you? Oh, it's the next Kevin book, actually,
4: number three. The first books we did together were all standalone books. Pugs of the Frozen North, Oliver and the Sea Wigs, Cakes in Space. They were all just sort of individual stories. But we decided with Kevin we would try doing a a series of books because that gives you... It's it's quite nice to do standalone stories, but also it's nice to do a series because you get to kind of follow characters through and, and develop things more... So we're going to be doing four Kevin books. Mm -hmm. I've got the first two here and we're working at the moment on the third. It's written and Sarah is starting the pictures for that. And I need to get home and start writing book four Mm -hmm. next. So that's the next thing for me.
3: Ooh, well, illustrating book three. And then um, I also have some picture books I'm working on because I just did a picture book called Grumpy Corn about a unicorn who tries to write a book and everything goes terribly wrong. (laughs) And then then the second book, Grumpy Corn, comes back, but I'm not allowed to say anything about it yet. Intriguing.
0: You'll have to stay tuned for the adventures of Grumpy Corn. Well, while I had Sarah and Philip in the house, I subjected them to the gruelling We Love Books quick-fire favourites round, and it proved pretty confusing for everyone involved. Let's see how our authors fared once they figured out who was going to answer which question first. I was going
3: to say, it's favourite.
4: Yeah. So, so the first one, I'll answer first and you answer second.
3: The second one, you answer first
4: and you answer second. Okay, I'll try and remember.
3: This is a real puzzle.
4: (laughs) It is, I'm lost already.
0: (laughs) Philip Reeve and Sarah McIntyre. Are you ready for the favourite round? Yes. On We Love Books for RTE Junior Radio. What is your favourite colour? Red. Brown. What is your favourite sport?
4: None. Uh, (laughs) Also, none.
3: Ice skating. (laughs) favorite childhood holiday Ooh I went to Scotland when I was 12
4: I went to Dartmoor and I liked it so much I moved there and I live there now
3: Your favorite Christmas present that you ever got Ooh
4: cuddly lion
3: I'm really struggling um oh I got this set that you could make like paper dolls and all their clothes and it had loads of sequins and feathers with it Your favorite childhood toy my big wheel tricycle
4: um oh I had armies of toy Napoleonic toy soldiers which um I used to have great battles with all over the bedroom floor. I think I like those best.
3: Your favourite food? Biscuits. Sushi. Favorite dessert? Uh, blackberry pie with ice cream.
4: Blackberry and apple crumble with custard.
3: Favorite kids book? And you can say your own. Ooh, Kevin's Great Escape. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Grumpy Corn. Yay!
3: <laughs> your favorite movie as a child? Oh, what was it? Um, Lawrence of Arabia.
4: Ooh, that's quite classy. I was going to say Star Wars. That came out when I was 12. I guess I still count as a child, so yes.
0: Your favourite animal? Gibbons. Red pandas. Those are really
3: unusual favourite animals. That's fantastic. Your favourite plant? Oh, I hate monkey puzzle trees so much that I think I actually love them.
4: <laughs> Oak trees.
3: Your favourite
0: subject in school? Art.
4: Yeah, art, probably.
0: And finally, your very
3: favourite sweet.
4: You go first. Chocolate. I don't really like sweets anymore. I liked them when I was a kid, but now I only like chocolate.
3: I love all the sweets. Um, I couldn't choose. I just want to go into a candy shop and, like, take over the whole place. Um, Caramels.
0: Well, on that delicious note, we leave Sarah McIntyre and Philip Reeve and Kevin, the roly-poly flying pony, and check in with our own in-house writer extraordinaire for another top writing tip. It's Dave Rudden.
5: Hi, I'm Dave Rudden, author of Knights of the Borrowed Dark. This is your two-minute tip on building a world. Start the clock. Every story in the world can be boiled down to what if. What if dragons and humans had to coexist? What if the dead came back to life and we're super upset about it? What if time travel? What if is a great place to start? If you want to build a world, start with the big questions, the broad stroke questions, the surprising questions, the questions nobody has ever asked before. But you can't stop there. These big questions are a lovely jumping-off point, but to actually create a world, you need to start big and then go small. Remember how I said originality was all about questions? Well, that applies to world-building too. Anyone can say, oh, I'm writing a zombie story, but the way you make a made-up world feel real is by asking yourself more small, granular questions. How much does a dragon have to eat? Why? did the dead come back to life? How? Time travel. I'm going to say something now which goes very against my fantasy writing roots. Your story has to be believable. And I don't mean you need to stick to sad people in banks or Brexit or any other real concrete stuff. I just mean that the details of your world have to be supported. You have to have thought of the consequences for those large brush strokes. And this might sound like a downer, but actually, this is where you get to have fun. This is where all your flourish comes in. For example, my Knights of the Borrowed Dark have magic based on fire and light. Which, yes, okay, cool. But then, I started thinking about consequences. When a knight gets mad, the temperature jumps. Candles near them melt. The ground chars under their feet. And... My nervous teenage protagonist Denison pretty much always suffers from a low-level blush. These small world-building details are a chance to make everything in your world feel connected because everything should be. Your characters are a product of the surroundings and your plot is a product of them. Now, you might be thinking that this sounds like a lot of work, but next episode I'm going to show you how to tackle all this in the first draft of your story. All right challenge time come up with a type of magic and then come up with an unexpected side effect something normal something every day something totally yours dave out
0: thanks dave as always a fascinating journey into the mind of that most mysterious creature the writer well now it's over to you this is the part of we love books where we love stories written by you Daniel has written us a gripping tale of a mountain climb that Freddie will never forget.
1: The Epic Mountain Rescue by Daniel Keown. Chapter 1. Ding, ding, ding. What the? Happy birthday, Freddie. You have received a letter from the Royal Climbing Association. Would you like to climb Mount Everest with climbing champion Dan Hooks? Really? Are you joking? That's fantastic. Yes, that would be great. When? In three days. Wait, three days. That short. Yes, we didn't receive the message until this morning. Well, I better get ready. Chapter two. Three days later. Hello. Welcome to Mount Everest. You are soon going to be the first to reach the top of Mount Everest. Isn't it amazing? Yes, but what if we get stuck? Oh, we have that sorted. There will be a professional mountain rescue team in a helicopter flying over you the whole time. So there is no need to worry about that. In five minutes, you will start. So you better hurry up and get there, because your partner just phoned. He said if you don't hurry up, he will start on his own. Well, that's not good. Exactly. Five minutes later. Hello, my name is Dan Hooks. I'm the British Climbing Champion of 2019. I will be your partner for this climb. I've heard people saying you, Freddie, are the best climber in Ireland. Yes. Yes. Well, then we'd better get started. Yes! Chapter 3. And you used to play hockey? Hockey on ice or normal hockey? Normal hockey. Were you any good? No. But... Ah! Help! I'm falling! I'll call for help. Yes! He has fallen. I'm not joking. You need to rescue him. But I'm only 24 and I've just started this job. Please. Okay, but if it doesn't work, I'm not taking the blame. Fine, whatever. Just come down. Okay. Henry may have only been 24, but he was definitely going to try. He would not fail. There you are. I'm sorry I'm late, but I got a bit too late. It's okay. Just help. Thank you. But before Freddie could say anything else, he and Dan were flying back to their camp and, as for Henry, he was awarded a Medal of Honour from the Queen, the end.
0: Well, that's it for this episode of We Love Books. A huge big thank you to everyone who helped make this podcast possible, and there were a lot of you, and to all the fantastic children who chatted to me and shared their stories. Next week, you know him, you love him, he loves you. Our featured author is none other than our own in-house legend, Dave Rudden, who's going to tell us all about his own series, Knights of the Borrowed Dark. I've been Niamh, you've been great. Until next time, happy reading.